Hi there, welcome back to Real Film Chronicles. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. This is episode 7, and today we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat 2021 edition. Fantastic, looking forward to it. Absolutely. We'll get started by giving the overview, and this is pulled right from Letterboxd, which I think gets its information from the movie database. These are always interesting to read because they are accurate, but not accurate. Let's get into it, the overview for Mortal Kombat. Washed up MMA fighter Cole Young, unaware of his heritage and haunted by Emperor Shang Tsung's best warrior Sub-Zero, seeks out and trains with Earth's greatest champions as he prepares to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. Is that tantalizing, Nathan, or what? Absolutely, there's some high stakes there for sure. Yeah. So Mortal Kombat, this is a recent movie, 2021. Uh, when did it come out? Just a few weeks ago at the time of recording. So this is directed by Simon McCoyd, starring Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, and Josh Lawson. To name just a few, I mean, this is a pretty big ensemble cast. I don't really recognize any of the actors' names here. That's not to say I haven't seen them in other films, but there we are. And this is effectively a reboot of the Mortal Kombat franchise, which ended in a whimper, I think, back in 1997, in terms of live-action films, at least. Because we had Mortal Kombat come out in 1995, and then very shortly afterwards, in 1997, was the second film, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, From what I understand, there was a third live-action film that was like had sets built and was ready to go, but Hurricane Katrina came in, destroyed all the sets, they basically gave up the production, and I think a lot of the actors from the first film were going to come back for that. But uh, afterwards, Warner Brothers basically got hold of the rights, and here we are now in... Uh, looking at a reboot of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, okay, so there was a third film originally? Granted that this is IMDb trivia I'm looking at here, but I do feel like I've okay. seen some articles in the past few years about that, especially especially leading up into the release of this particular film. Right, okay. Yeah, because in preparation for watching Mortal Kombat uh, 2021, not the official title, the year of the release... <laughs> <laughs> this is not like Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> the 2020, the 2021 release of Mortal Kombat. Um, I watched the 1995 original, and then I watched Annihilation as well to compare it. And then I was looking online, and I kept seeing. I didn't do a whole lot of research, obviously, but I kept seeing snippets of Mortal Kombat three. But it wasn't really easy to find, and that's because it doesn't actually exist. So yeah, I'm not going crazy, fair. or I'm not going crazier than I thought I was. I think you might already be crazy, but you're not gaining more craziness. Yeah, I, I do believe there was a very short-lived, like one season of a live-action TV series at some point. And of course, we're going way back in time here. This is if the last live-action movie was 1997. We yeah. got just over 20 years of extra material here, and you know what? There's probably a few animated movies in there as well as cartoon series. So I believe so. Yes. What is your relationship with with the Mortal Kombat franchise do you have you ever played any of the video games right so I have not played a whole lot of Mortal Kombat honestly I know I don't even know how many games there are now there's got to be like there must be dozens literally of Mortal Kombat games at this point I would think there are they must be up to at least 10 okay uh, in the main series and I'm sure if it's anything like any other fighting game, there's tons of little variations of it, right? I remember mostly growing up, it was... I remember, the, like, the kind of moral panic that came with Mortal Kombat. It was a target yeah. of a lot of um, parent groups and a lot of other kind of um, community groups, um, specifically targeted because of its violence in that mm-hmm. ongoing debate about, um, you know, media's effect on people's behavior, specifically um violent video games and linking that to violent behavior, which is to say there is no real link, but um, certain groups use it uh, as fear mongering. But I remember that yeah. was, that was kind of the big thing. We, we, as kids, when it came out, we weren't allowed to get 
um, games like Mortal Kombat or like I think Doom was on that list. Oh, yeah. um, so I didn't end up playing them until years later when maybe I was at an age with the novelty of extreme violence. Yeah, yeah. Really wasn't that big a draw anymore. Um, but Mortal Kombat was, it's been like a staple in the gaming world. Like everybody, it's a, it's a brand that literally everybody knows, even if you don't play the game, everybody who games knows Mortal Kombat. Who's played it at least a couple times, right? They play, I play one or two games, um, you know, in the, in the old kind of, what would that be like 16 bit era? Um, obviously. And I played some on the, played one or two different Mortal Kombat games on the maybe Xbox one era, but really I'm not, also very good at these fighting games maybe because i didn't have them growing up so i didn't have that same kind of practice where like with super mario brothers or super mario world i can blow through those Mm -hmm. games pretty easily because i spent hours and hours playing them but with fighting games now it's no fun getting beaten by a 12 year old kid so (laughs) yeah that's right everything is is basically gone online now right there's not a lot of yeah couch co-op or couch tournament fighting of these games going on anymore well that's what i i really miss and this is me i guess showing my age a bit but that that really in the room split screen or shared screen for fighting games where you're in the same room with the person fighting them and i guess now it's more of an online thing but it was a it was part of the fun was always like teasing the guy or making fun of the guy or girl that you were fighting next to you in the room and like when you pulled off an awesome combo and just like turning to them and, and saying and giving them some kind of comments or, or rubbing it in it's not the same For when sure. you're uh when you're not there in person right yeah so i, I think uh you, you sort of nailed it there everyone in the video game world is aware of mortal kombat and to a larger extent a lot of people remember in the early 90s when mortal kombat came out and all the controversies that it, it brought forward in media and mainly politics uh, i think the first game came out in arcades probably 1992 or 93 and I do remember it very well. I remember the home releases of Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. And at that point, Nintendo had taken a stance of of no blood on their systems. So infamously, right. all the blood in the Super Nintendo version was replaced with a, sort of a yellowish sweat that would be uh, pouring off people. Oh, really? Um, and the Genesis was fully intact with all blood. Mortal Kombat 2 was pretty, in my memory, it came out pretty quickly afterwards. And on the Super Nintendo, by that time, we had a rating system, like a self-imposed rating system in the video game industry, where they could rate that game M for Mature because it had a bunch of red pixels exploding out of these characters' bodies. Uh, So Mortal Kombat 2, 1 and 2, I remember these games pretty well. I never really got into them. I was probably more of a street fighter fan um <laughs> mortal Kombat. it always felt like the controls were a bit clunky and and whatnot but all that being the quality of the games aside they were a lot more well known at the time for their controversy right well since that time too they've kind of become iconic i mean even people who don't know the games like you say scorpion or sub-zero Mm-hmm. Or like Johnny Cage to a lesser extent, but like people know these characters, they have their own kind of mythologies now, right? Thanks, I think. Yeah. Thanks in large part to the movies as well, right? And uh, I just want to say before we get into the movies here, one of the big reasons these games were controversial and what brought them into the limelight of video gamers were were the finishing moves that would be executed. So. Like any fighting game, they followed the same formula where you had two rounds of fighting between two characters. And at the end of the second round, you had the ability to perform a fatality on the other character. And each character had their own unique fatalities. With the right button combinations, you would do something grotesque like ripping their spine out, setting them on fire. I think Liu Kang ate them like he turned into a dragon and ate their upper bodies. There was a lot of <laughs> grotesque things happening. I, I think it's mostly those aspects that got all the media and political attention here. So it sounds like you were, you have more of a relationship with these games than I did, right? It sounds like you played them a lot more. I definitely played them a lot more in the 90s. I remember renting them with friends. And specifically Mortal Kombat 3 came out. I, I recall buying this on PC. And I could never get the disc to work. 
we would install it, we would reformat the computer, no matter what I did, I could not get Mortal Kombat 3 to work, and I just never played another Mortal Kombat game since. Yeah, like, I was never big into the fighting game genre to begin with, so it never really felt like I was missing out on on anything. Um, I think the only fighting game I really remember enjoying is a little, maybe lesser-known title called Brutal Paws of Fury, which is all oh, yeah. these kind of anthropomorphic animals um, fighting each other, and they have various <laughs> kind of finishing moves. Not not gory at all, but I still have a copy of that game for, for the SNES. So after... Um, watching um, the 2021 Mortal Kombat, I started actually, I did a little bit of reading, but apparently these games, there's a lot more lore and backstory to mm-hmm. these characters um, that have been added over the years by these video games um, that I guess hardcore fans of the series are going to recognize these lore elements in the movie itself, sure. right? It went that deep in the games. I thought it was really just still... A bunch of cool-looking characters fighting each other, but apparently they all have like intricate backstories where they're all interconnected and everything. And the uh, the overall story in Mortal Kombat, like from probably both of our perspectives, is just the basic setup. Mortal Kombat is a tournament where Earth's greatest champions are fighting for Earth's survival, uh, the survival of our planet. Because every generation there's a Mortal Kombat, and if the Outworld wins 10 times in a row they get control of our realm i guess and that's basically the extent of of the background i know some of the basic characters but like you said the games have given us a lot more lore surrounding these characters that would probably pay off more so when you're playing the games i think in the original 1995 Mortal Kombat, there wasn't a lot of that lore set up or i probably just wasn't aware of it but it seemed a little more straightforward now uh, potentially this new, this reboot of Mortal Kombat in this year would give um, a little more tidbits or a little more Easter eggs for the expanded lore that's gone on in the video game world. Well, it really feels, so I watched the new Mortal Kombat and then I watched the 1995 Mortal Kombat right afterwards and then, um, much to my detriment, um, 1997 <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation right after that just to get a feel for the movies and it really feels like the new movie I don't want to say has a lot more depth because there's not a whole lot of depth to these movies um, in any real kind of substantial way but it really felt like it was drawing on a lot more story elements and maybe myth- mythology elements and lore elements mm-hmm. than maybe that 1995 version had to work with because the 1995 version of the movie really just a bunch of people come together and they randomly fight each other it's not even it's supposed to be structured as a tournament but it's not really it's just people it seems like a bunch of random fight scenes edited together whereas the new movie it seems like there's more of a semblance at a plot and kind of more traditional narrative elements in terms of um um character arcs such as they are and just like and and world building it feels like there's a lot more world building elements and a lot of setups to potential sequels being a film in this modern era of cinema uh, franchise cinema there's going to be tons of hooks to an expanded uh, universe here well it makes sense in the context of the modern movie landscape obviously it felt almost like a team-up movie like avengers without the individual superhero movies to set up the characters Mm -hmm. but also in terms of like this is a long-running video game franchise and they're I think they're coming into this with the expectation that they're going to have a series of, I think, two or three or four films or however many they can milk out of this coming from both like the cinematic landscape, but also the the video game model as well, right? Yeah, I'm kind of curious now since you, you sort of alluded to, to that Avengers formula, how well the Mortal Kombat series would have lent itself to having a few individual movies because the introductory scene in this film is top notch. It's beautiful action it's really well shot it looks gorgeous everything about it felt fantastic and the opening scene is basically sub-zero coming in to fight um essentially scorpion before he turns into scorpion right and uh you'll have to forgive me because i don't remember the characters names here at all but it's about 10 15 minutes of of action between these two characters and giving them some motivation where sub-zero kills this character uh, he ends up going to some kind of afterlife where he becomes Scorpion. 
but it yeah. gives him some motivation. And as Sub Zero kills his family, he kills his wife and his daughter, and I think leaves another one of uh, leaves a baby alive, but is unaware of this. So Raiden at that point comes in, picks up the baby to carry off that lineage, and then we fast forward to modern times where Cole Young is in that bloodline of Scorpion, and I keep using these names like I should know their their actual name their family names right but for me i would say that whole scene was sub-zero and scorpion doing their history felt like it could have been an entire movie just like cole young who were introduced to afterwards as scorpion's heritage it could have been an entire movie by itself right there where it's not entering the mortal kombat tournament but it's in that mortal kombat world and he slowly gets introduced to his destiny as a champion of our Earth. Absolutely. That whole opening was pretty awesome. Um, apparently in the video game lore, there's a long history of rivalry between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, also, just to go back to a point you made about maybe not recognizing some of the actors in this, you probably recognize the actor who plays Scorpion. Hiroyuki Sanada he was he's been in a lot of stuff including mm-hmm. the Wolverine and a favorite of mine called Sunshine but he shows up quite a lot in a lot of movies I just want to give him a shout out because he is so awesome but you're right that whole opening scene I think it was was it in in ancient Japan I think because I think it was um, that's right though there's an actual historical conflict or whether it was like a um, part of the lore of the games like false like made up kind of alternate history kind of thing, but it was like, it seemed like Chinese versus Japanese ancient clans. And there was family feuds going on. And yeah, like that felt like that would have been the perfect setup for an introductory movie for these characters. Mm-hmm. And it would have been cool to have, like you have obviously Jax and Sonya blade that, that would have made for a, a movie in itself. Cause they're, those they're two characters are connected. Kano, right? Yeah, and then, so that introduces those three characters, and you would have had Cole Young, who I believe is an entirely brand new character that was made up specifically for the movie, and it doesn't appear in the actual games themselves, uh, which is also, we'll get into that later, kind of an odd choice for why he would kind of lead these, um, specifically when in the original movies, in the games themselves, I think, um, was it uh, Liu Kang, I think is generally kind of the quote-unquote main protagonist of the storylines generally yeah from what i understand so it feels like an odd choice that they create a whole new character from none of the games to lead this movie i don't and know maybe we want to get into this later but honestly cole young not the actor himself but the character is perhaps the weakest part of this film if he p- was pulled in as a random new character for the film it's a testament to ignoring the right. lore of the game and like not trusting into the lore of the game to provide you with interesting characters. Yeah. So I don't know how deep the actual lore in the games goes. I'm going to have to claim um, some ignorance here. I don't know if they would have had enough content on their own to develop maybe three or four movies before you had that kind of Avenger style team up, but it feels almost like a missed opportunity in an age where people mm. are trying to replicate that success of the MCU and all of a sudden you have, here's this property where you have all these established characters with their established backstories, with an established fan base. It seems like a prime opportunity to yeah. start building that up, right? Especially if you start off the first movie with two of the most popular characters, Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I think you could have pulled in enough people, enough fandom to get worked up about the next movie with maybe some lesser known characters. I don't know how, like, I saw... I think Sonya Blade and Jax are still pretty well known, but you build up with like the most popular characters to get that um, energy going, to get that excitement. But I think, I don't know, would there be enough character depth to to build four or five movies around before you got to a team-up movie? Yeah, and that's where I think uh, like my own ignorance to the Mortal Kombat series and the world that they built, uh, like I can't say for sure. But imagine a scenario where you have a Sub-Zero and Scorpion, like, ancient rivalry movie. And we know it's about Mortal Kombat, and it focuses on that. Fantastic. A couple years later, this other movie comes out, 
and seems to have all the same directors and some of the the same production going on but it's about cole young and at the very very end of this we're we're treated to a, a story about this guy fighting for his family in different fighting tournaments it's a good you know martial arts film good action film and at the very end they drop that teaser about him joining the mortal Kombat tournament and it's <laughs> it's going to be similar to that scene in split where at the very very end it's like oh my goodness this is all tied into the unbreakable superhero world right you just have for out of out of nowhere apropos of nothing <laughs> samuel L. jackson and he just comes in. I've come to talk to you about the Mortal Kombat Initiative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sold me on the whole thing right there. That's fantastic. But that's the thing. I don't know if there's enough backstory or enough depth of story to build yeah. that kind of structure around. But it feels like um, it felt like there was enough there. It felt like enough enough of a hook there, enough of a base, enough of a foundation that they could have, if you hired. I don't want to say that the screenwriters for this weren't talented, but a talented enough screenwriter could take that foundation and build something on top of it. It felt, it feels kind of like a missed opportunity um, just because getting into the structure of the movie itself, the first half of the movie or the first, maybe third of the movie where it's really introducing all of these different characters together, it feels a little bit rushed yeah, honestly, I would want to go out on a limb and say that the original Mortal Kombat 1995 movie did a more effective or efficient job of introducing these characters and their little uh, backstories than this movie did. It, this movie seemed to spend a little more time with it. It just felt like it was retreading familiar territory. And I'm not sure how fair it is to say it's retreading familiar territory when... Yeah, I remember seeing that Mortal Kombat in 1995 in theaters. I'm well familiar with this. But we have a whole new generation who's seeing a Mortal Kombat movie potentially for the first time in live action, right? Right. So I think um, for me, watching rewatching that 1995 Mortal Kombat, it felt almost like a video game put up on screen, right? They didn't waste a whole lot of time with backstory. They just like, here's the character and here's here's one thing you need to know about them. It's like, okay, this guy's the the fighter who trained with the monks. This guy's mm-hmm. the big Hollywood guy who's trying to prove his worth as a martial artist. Um, this girl is trying to track down a known terrorist. This guy is a known terrorist. And it was just like, no, we're just going to essentially cut out all the backstory stuff and get straight to the fighting. And it was just like, it felt a lot more like a, a video game kind of translated more directly to the screen. Whereas the 2021 Mortal Kombat felt like they were teetering on, um, you know, making it just, let's just have it pure fights. And and then the other half of it is like, oh, well, let's give these characters backstory and motivation. And it feels like like making a quote-unquote serious movie and making a quote-unquote kind of fun movie. And it yeah. feels like they, they were kind of torn between those two modes of storytelling. And it felt like if they had gone in one direction over the other and really committed it could have this movie could have been great i hesitate to say great when it comes to um video game movies because of the uh the the history all the way from super mario brothers um through to to the the hitman series i mean i don't think there's i don't think any movie adaptation of a a video game has nailed it yet Mm -hmm. um but there was there was a lot of potential in this movie for greatness. Yeah. So before we get into any spoiler talk with this movie, the setup of the film is basically the same, right? Where we have these fighters coming together after we're introduced to their stories, and they are supposed to be Earth's champions, and now they are responsible for fighting in the Mortal Kombat tournament to basically save our realm. They're going to save the planet, right? That's the general gist of the story. Before we get into more spoiler talk, what would be your general walkaway feelings on this movie? Um, I'm really, really torn, actually, because it fell down so many times in terms of, of storytelling, where it got, it got so close to doing things so well, and then it just kind of faltered. But on the other hand, I found myself laughing within the light and so <laughs> many scenes in this movie um partially due to um there were a couple actors specifically 
Josh Lawson, who played Kano, who I think Mm -hmm. stole every scene he was in. And then just some of the, the brutality of some of the, of the violence and the kills in this movie. It was just like so over the top that they really embraced that, that over the top video game style that I was just like, I was laughing. I was, I was in it a hundred percent. I was thoroughly entertained by a lot of it. And, and that's why I'm just like, I was was so down the middle on this movie. I think it's pretty, pretty fair to say as well that the original Mortal Kombat film was PG 13. And this is definitely, I think what they like to call the hard R. There is a lot of violence. There's a lot of gore. They really do not hold back. They obviously went in knowing they're going to be making a pretty brutal, gross film. Oh, yeah. There's some bodies being sawed in half, um, organs yeah. getting ripped out, people being eviscerated, heads being crushed gruesomely. I mean, they they went all in. They knew exactly, I think, um, the audience for this, and they, mm-hmm. they played... In a lot of ways, they played to the series strengths, but in a lot of ways, when they tried to get into the more nuanced aspects of storytelling, it didn't quite mesh well with the the violent action set pieces that there. It felt like here's the set pieces we need, want to get to, but the connective tissue in order to get to them wasn't necessarily in place properly. It sounds like for you and also for me the movie was really down the middle in terms of quality because I'm not getting a lot of that context, but at the same time, I'm being really entertained with what I'm seeing. The action is is good in this movie. Oh, yeah, like the, the fighting scenes were, I mean, com- compared to the 1995 version, I mean, all, all due respect to the 1995 version, there's some, there's some really kick-butt scenes in there, but the fighting was just a lot better in this one. Um, in terms of the martial yeah, arts. Yeah, I think they definitely benefit from a more modern uh, uh, world of film creation. And they also benefit from like three times the budget that the original movie had. Oh, absolutely. Those effects, especially with like Sub-Zero, when he's using his ice powers, um, especially that it was in the trailer, yeah. which kind of sucked that it gave it away. But when he, I think he cut Scorpion and he, the blood came out and he froze the blood and he turned around yeah, and used yeah. that as a, <laughs> as a weapon. It's like, that's just like really cool, innovative thinking. Like, here's like, how would these powers be used in the real world? Like how, you know, like if you were thinking and, and these powers actually existed, how could they be used innovatively in this world? And that was, there's some really neat touches like that, that I wish they'd put into the rest of the story. Like you said, like that opening scene between Scorpion and Sub-Zero and building up that backstory. That was, that was a really smart way to start the movie, but it was like, for me, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because there was that characterization and there was that interaction. Mm-hmm. There was like, there was stakes there being built up, right? Another thing, another part of it is there's this relationship hinted at between um, Kano and Cabal. So Cabal, again, Cabal was another character who kind of stole the scenes he was in. But I guess they were part of like the Black Dragon organization, which is part of the uh, Mortal Kombat lore. And he made Cabal made some kind of comment that is like, "Oh, Kano's the reason why I'm I have to live inside this iron lung," referring to this you know mechanical oh, okay. suit that he was in. So I was like, "Oh, so there's backstory and history between these characters." Like, well, how did how did Kano how is Kano connected to Cabal, whose Cabal is in Outworld, which is this other realm, this other kind of dimension or plane of existence with mm-hmm. with the bad guys? I was like, well, how did they first interact? Because Kano has no idea that Outworld even exists. And then how yeah. did Cabal get from Earthrealm out to Outworld? I was like, there's a whole, like, little hints like that. That really drew me in. That, that was really neat. I wish it had more of that in there. And it's kind of unfortunate. I don't recall all the characters who died and we will now I, I think it's pretty safe to say get into some spoiler territory but with these characters actually dying in this movie does that just ruin like does that just um get rid of the chance of us being able to revisit some of that world building and lore wait before we go any further i've always wanted to do this fatality um <laughs> <laughs> no i think that there was a scene at the end and you're probably going to remember it as soon as I say it. But at the end, where there's a bunch of people dead, mostly the bad guys, and Shang Tsung, the bad guy, the main the main villain, who's played by Chin Han, and he says, death is just another portal. 
Oh yes, and then that gray fog comes in and takes all the, and all the corpses disappear and everything. So I'm yeah. thinking that I think within the I think I was reading up a little bit about the in in game lore as well, and that a lot of times these characters will get resurrected through um, either magical means or through cybernetic means. So I think that, that makes sense in the Mortal Kombat universe that death is not as permanent as it is in our universe. That's pretty fair. Yeah, because it would be a shame, I think, to wait, especially seeing the reaction to some of these characters who died. I don't think you can kill off Sub-Zero like that, although I think in the games, the the moniker and powers of Sub-Zero were used by many different characters. I think in the games, like, Mm. the original Sub-Zero, his brother takes up his mantle and his power somehow. So I think there's, there's other ways to resurrect them as well, where it's not literal resurrection, but somebody takes on their mantle kind of inherits their powers yeah almost like a almost like comic book style right where you have different people um you know like think batman beyond where you have terry mcginnis taking up the mantle of batman and so like batman is quote-unquote kind of resurrected that way right you know a lot more about this lore than i do i'm watching this movie on quite a surface level with my 1993 knowledge of mortal kombat (laughs) yeah and i have to confess i looked a lot of this stuff up after the fact, I did. I am not by any means a Mortal Kombat expert. Um, I know that there was a lot of different Easter eggs to the game, like when um, I think uh, Kung Lao kills Natara, he he utters that phrase "flawless victory." Yeah, which is of course um, in the game. If in the games, if you're able to defeat your opponent without taking a single hit, you. The announcer comes on and announces flawless victory. Yeah, um, and I think that was one of those gruesome kills where he had his he he had special hat powers, where he <laughs> but he he had his hat spinning on the ground, and then and then it, it literally like a saw blade and cut this yeah. other person in half. And I I haven't looked that up, but I have to assume that that's in reference to a specific fatality move in the games yeah i think there was a lot of fan service in this game and i could appreciate what they were doing uh, especially with the spinning hat that just uh, saw somebody in half was pretty i mean from my perspective fun to watch <laughs> yeah another another direct reference to the games which is pretty neat was um when kano um finally kills reptile and he pulls his heart out i think that's yes. specifically a reference to one of his finishing moves but also afterwards he he looks at the other people in the room i think um and then he he holds up the heart and he says, "Kano wins." Yes, yes, that's right. Because I think in in the video <laughs> games, the announcer would announce who won like that. Yeah. But he he announces himself, <laughs> which is in line with the character. Yeah. Really, I think you were right. Before, the movie was fairly engaging. It was fun to watch. Right. Uh, There's a lot of good moments like that. I I had an issue with the fact that the tournament never seems to actually happen. Because I'm familiar with the first Mortal Kombat, where Shang Tsung basically kind of tricks some of Earth's heroes into coming to the island and fighting this tournament, and they're all in it. But there's a lot of rules on the tournament has to be won fairly in order for him to take over the Earth realm. So Shang Tsung and his and his goons are trying to raid. Raiden's temple to get an upper hand in the tournament to basically, I guess, kill these guys off before, which is not not really fair. Like the Shang Tsung in 1995 Mortal Kombat wouldn't necessarily stoop to that level. He wants to beat them in fair combat to show how good that they all are. So we never actually get to an actual tournament structure in this movie. Yeah, which I think in reading up about the background of the movie i think they already have i think two or three sequels um already planned if not already kind of in pre pre pre-production if that makes sense like where they're writing scripts and and getting story ideas so to the film's detriment i think one of the failings of the film was specifically that there were so many setups to future installments that may or may not happen there were all these references and callouts. I think um, specifically one of them was I think they saw um, Katana's um, fan blade weapons yep. as one of the items in, in Raiden's temple there. And there was a poster at the end 
and a super obvious setup um, for a sequel with like a poster that's sh- with Johnny Cage. Mm-hmm. I-, I think the movie's name was like Citizen Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't actually show the character's face, I guess, leaving it open for casting in the future. But yeah. there was it was so focused on future installments and it was Mortal Kombat tournament without an actual Mortal Kombat tournament because it was all... Yeah. It was all just conflict. The whole story was about how he was trying to cheat and kill all of these heroes. Because I guess yeah. in, in this mythology in the movie, there's a bunch of people born with um, these tattoos that look strangely yes. similar to the Mortal Kombat icon. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, but they are essentially kind of, I don't know how they're chosen, but they're chosen ones who were chosen to defend, to defend our planet. And they potentially with training can unlock their arcana, which grants them specific kind of magical Mm. abilities or supernatural abilities that they can use to fight back these forces of darkness. Yes. Right. And so that I thought was a really neat, um, I don't know if that's an addition to the Mortal Kombat lore, but I think that was a smart way to kind of, you know, just really explain away is like why these people have their powers. Because I think in the yeah. video games, um, Kano has his laser beam eye because of cybernetic implants. In this game, in in this game, in this movie, <laughs> he has it because he unlocks his Arcana abilities. But it also opens up the possibility in the future. It's like, oh, well, why does he have cybernetic implants with that laser eyes? Because he he lost that eye in yeah. in the fighting, right? It makes more sense why Shang Tsung would want to kill these guys before they get their arcana abilities because they're going to become that much more potent when they actually have to go fight in the tournament all fully powered up. Yeah, to be fair, the rules of the tournament are not really spelled out well um, in, in any movie. It's these ancient archaic rules set forth by the Elder mm. Gods, but the Elder Gods seem kind of fickle and they don't sometimes seem to care when people are breaking the rules. So I'm not sure yeah. why they set those rules in the first place. It's all kind of vaguely defined in this movie, um, which is kind of frustrating. But I think maybe the assumption is that the actual Mortal Kombat tournament is going to happen in movie two or movie three. I don't know. So one of the most iconic characters of the Mortal Kombat series is arguably Goro, the four-armed behemoth monster. And he makes his appearance in this movie. But I couldn't help but be let a little down by how he was treated. First of all, how do you think he looked in terms of special effects? Here's the issue. I Uh just watched the Mortal Kombat 1995 movie in preparation for this a a few hours ago as well. And (laughs) I I cannot get the image of Puppet Goro out of my head. I think he looked fantastic in 1995. (laughs) And in my mind, this 2021 CGI Goro just blends into every other CGI monster I've seen. I think the issue specifically in this case was because the character design, he was very kind of dark overall, and he only appears in the film at night, right? Mm. So you don't really get to see those, like his character design pop that much, where if you look at the 1995 version, which is amazing use of, of practical effects and puppetry. But yeah, but he was like shown in like broad daylight so you really got to see the character mm-hmm. design pop so i think if if they would have set that fight scene between cole young and goro in the daytime it would have been a lot better in terms of just showing off the character design because i thought yeah it, like the cgi is it's come to a point now where like yeah these characters are practically photorealistic now right you did not like the portrayal of goro no uh, yeah basically in at one point in his introduction like we're we're we see him rip somebody in half, right? Which was a visual treat. And then he fights Cole Young. And like you said, it's all dark or whatever. And it was a battle. It was it was a battle, but it was also a chance for Cole to really come into his own powers and overtake this really powerful monster, this powerful fighter. Sorry, how does Goro die? Does Goro die in that battle? He does, yeah. So... Um, Goro is just laying into Cole Young, right? And yeah. Cole's trying to fight back. And then all of a sudden, 
he sees his family under attack, and that's giving him the motivation that Raiden was talking about to finally unlock yes. his arcana powers. And all of a sudden, he gets this this kind of yellow metallic kind of um, armor appearing yeah. on him, and then he gets these two kind of these two blades in his hand, like almost like reverse blades, almost looks like uh, the police batons, but with blades on them. And then every time he gets hit, it almost feels like he's like storing up that kinetic energy, almost like Black Panther in yeah, the uh, exactly. in the MCU. And it's kind, of, which is kind of a neat callback to earlier in the film, where I think somebody teases him for like his special ability is getting his his butt kicked. Yes. And it turns out that it actually is where he can like almost build up that power, <laughs> where like his suit starts glowing red as if he's building up that power, and then he finally gives the uppercut that his daughter keeps telling him to give people. Yes. Which is also another signature of the Mortal Kombat series. And pretty much the only thing I did in that game was a sweet <laughs> kick and an uppercut. Well, it's funny, too, because like I think when they're training, they pay homage to the sweep kick, the cheapness of that sweep mm-hmm. sweep kick move. They make a comment about it being so cheap. Yeah, where I think Kung Lao is, is just constantly sweep kicks Kano over and over yes. again. <laughs> and he's just like... He gets the same look on his face that I'm sure all of us did when we got that, that when we got our yeah. butts handed to us, but that cheap move. Yeah. So Cole Young dispatches of Goro with his new powers, and then later on, Cole Young is fighting. And forgive me, I don't remember the name, but it's this woman with the crazy sharp teeth, and he's really struggling to fight this this woman until Sonya comes in and develops her Arcana powers. I think. And dispatches of this uh, teeth lady. And I'm just thinking, well, Goro must not have been that powerful because he was like a mid-level boss now. Where, from my understanding, he was like number two right right before Shang Tsung, the final fight. You were going to have to go through Goro, and he was a tough guy. Yeah, so the character you're talking about where he's fighting Melina later on. And Melina apparently is a modified clone of Katana in the lore. Although she's obviously with her, with her mouth and her teeth. I think that's the signature look for her, but yeah, you're right. I think in the games, like Goro was like one of the big bad guys, the toughest bad guys in the game you had to defeat. And here he was just like a a mid-level thug almost. And to be fair, like in the original Mortal Kombat movie, Goro is really amped up as this, as this villain. And there's a nice montage of him just, taking out fighters and keep in mind this is in a tournament so goro these fighters probably would have fought others they reach goro and they just all get killed like it's just death after death after death and then johnny cage finally achieves that level of the tournament where he has to fight goro and that's where he does his famous uh his famous uh, ball punch and then kicks goro off of a cliff <laughs> i mean he's dispatched in a fairly cheap manner but there's at least some menacing aspect to Goro here where he's he's gone halfway through the film. Yeah, there's no real build up to Goro in this film. He's just another thug, I think like um Reiko and Cabal mm-hmm. who are just who are I guess I don't know if they'd be considered maybe second tier characters in this universe. But it feels like there's some fan favorites in there that kind of got the short end of the stick. And like Goro, like giant, like eight foot tall dude with four arms. And like, it feels like he should have had some kind of build up, right? I mean, it's, I like how they played that scene almost like a, almost like a kind of a horror vibe where there was this like, yeah. there's this giant monster attacking this dude. But also, some of the physics also didn't quite add up. Just look at the mass of, of Goro versus Cole Young. And I'm yeah. pretty sure one punch from Goro would have like collapsed his rib cage <laughs> until he got his Arcana powers there with his his yeah. vague his vaguely defined Arcana powers because it never because that that charging of his suit never comes up again in the rest of the movie. No, it was just in that one fight where he. To be fair though, Goro does get a pretty awesome death in terms of Mortal Kombat, where he's getting completely eviscerated. It's pretty gory. You see, like his, uh, like actually entrails falling to the ground and everything. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. But yeah, you're right. Like it feels like they were just like jamming so many characters into the film. It suffered a little bit from that, yeah. um, maybe Infinity War slash Endgame syndrome, where you just can't give 
every character they're doing. There's literally not enough time, yeah. especially in what was the runtime on this? Maybe like an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. I believe the movie was an hour and 50 minutes. So it clocks yeah. in at 110 minutes. Exactly. And without the benefit of other movies, giving background on these characters, right? What did you think of the essential, essentially the climax of the film where Cole and the newly reborn Scorpion uh, battle Sub-Zero? Um, again, I thought that was one of the best fights in the movie. That was real. Listen, I'm, I'm with most people on this. I think Scorpion and Sub-Zero just with their costume designs Mm -hmm. and their character names and their powers, they're just, they're just inherently kind of cool characters. And yeah, they look so good. They looked awesome. And now like the special effects have really caught up to, um, what their powers are. And so just watching Scorpion shoot out his, you know, traditional, um, you know, his blade on the end of the chain and that kind of weapon, which is set up perfectly. It's one of the few examples in the movie where they do that set up and payoff storytelling, Mm -hmm. um, technique perfectly where earlier in the movie, um, in that earlier, in the earlier fights, it's his um, wife's gardening tool that he ties to a rope and he's twirling it around and using it. A great setup for what, why he comes yeah. back from, I think, the whatever it is, the afterlife he comes back from. And he basically adopts that as his main weapon, but like upgrades it to like a chain and a proper blade. Yeah, it was looked pretty cool. Yeah, and then that with like Sub-Zero's powers and he was using them like intelligently in the mm-hmm. movie, like he was creating these frost blades or, and throwing them at people. Or he was like, you know, like I said before, like, you know, using people's blood and freezing it, creating ice walls, um, mm-hmm. you know, shards of ice flying through the air at people. Like it's just really, really well done. And the, and all the actors in that too. I think the actor who played um, sub zero um, did a great job too. What, Cause when they take their masks off and they have to act, cause now they always have to act. And that is mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Taslim played sub zero. And I think, yeah, I want to see more of this guy because he played a great villain. No, it was it was really. I mean, both fights were pretty engaging. Uh, it it did feel like it was a lot of fun to do that stuff. I don't like the Cole Young character, and he was in that final fight, but I got enough pleasure from the others uh, in their combat. Well, I really thought that with with that opening scene that the conflict between Scorpion and Sub Zero was going to be at the core of the movie. Yeah, yeah, and then they just it really wasn't. Yeah, they just they just went a whole other forget direction. about it for the for the bulk of the film. I mean, <laughs> this is why I talk about it being so frustrating. Is like there's these flashes of of greatness of what this movie could have been if you had given it to you know Christopher Nolan if he'd given it like the the Batman <laughs> Dark Knight treatments. Like there's enough character beats in there, enough of a foundation where they could have if somebody had taken the time to really flush this out. And maybe cut out a couple characters and save them for the sequel. Yeah. I think it could have been really something special. So with all that, like where does this version of Mortal Kombat stand to the original Mortal Kombat for you? So the bottom of the heap is obviously Annihilation. Easily. Yeah, which I would give... Maybe one star out of five, if I were being generous. <laughs> um, it's so bizarre because it picks up exactly where the first movie leaves off, but like half of the actors <laughs> are, are different. <laughs> half of the characters are played by different actors. It feels really the special effects, even for 1997, really like the it must have had no budget. I I have to assume. I did not look up the budget of Annihilation. I I did look up the budgets for the other two. Um, the original Mortal Kombat ran in at $18 million. Okay. And I believe as I saw some stuff before where they might've had a smaller budget. They did their movie. Uh, the initial tests were really positive and they needed to fit a few more fights in. So they were given a few more million dollars to oh, nice. like extend the Scorpion Johnny Cage fight. I believe the Sonya Kano fight was added in afterwards and they, and in rewatching it, it's literally like a half hour of just, all right, these two are fighting, then these two fight, then these two fight. It's just, it's a whole bunch of fights in that tournament format. This movie, Mortal Kombat 2021, a budget of about $55 million. Okay. Which seems reasonable. And especially after you look at the special effects and the feeling of the film, it feels like they got their money's worth out of this movie. 
Oh yeah, special effects wise for the 2021 version, like it it felt top tier. Like it felt I thought for sure this was like a hundred million dollar budget, right? Like this yeah. these special effects blow some other superhero movies that spent like multiple yeah. million multiple hundreds of millions of dollars on special effects and this one yeah. felt like everything like the special effects in this movie were super tight like they were really good so annihilation is on the bottom of the trio yeah for sure i would agree with that i'd put it there um yeah second on my list would be 1995's mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. which i put you're pro- you're probably going to disagree with me i put it at two out of five stars I do disagree with you, but I don't. I think that's a fair rating. <laughs> yeah. What's your second uh, out of the uh, trilogy? A second for me would be this reboot, Mortal Kombat 2021, which obviously leaves the 1995 Mortal Kombat. And to be completely fair with you, a lot of that just might be nostalgia, right? Like I can revisit the original Mortal Kombat and be fully engaged. It's a slightly shorter movie. I just have a lot of memories surrounding it, like obviously playing the original video games, but also going to the theater to see this in 1995 and having the audience being pretty engaged at the time. I remember when Katana would show up on screen, there was a group of guys a couple of rows behind us that would kind of whistle every time and just uh, <laughs> just make that experience a little more engaging for the rest of the audience, I think. Like it was a tongue-in-cheek movie theater experience but also the movie for me had a lot more personality than this one did like this one kind of the original one kind of knew what it was doing and i think with the help of christopher lambert playing raiden and shang sung essentially overacting and really knowing that they're in a, a crazy movie playing it crazily and kind of winking at the camera really sold it a lot more than this one, which really was a lot more serious of a film, but did not really match the, the energy that I got out of the first film. Yeah. See, um, I don't have the nostalgia factor with the 1995 version because I didn't see it until, um, years after the fact, didn't really have any kind of attachment to it. I didn't see it in theaters. Um, so it wasn't really that, wasn't really ingrained in my brain to that mm-hmm. extent, but like the new one I would rank at currently debating whether I'm going to rank it at two and a half or three stars out of five. I just remember coming away from this one, the new one. I was just like so many times I was literally, I just had a smile on my face with yeah. the action scenes, with the over the top violence where the movie really came into its own. It felt like despite the dramatic all the drama going on, not despite the dramatic stuff, because like I liked when they were putting in the background of the character. These characters, to me, in the new one, felt a little bit more fleshed out. Um, yeah. The acting felt a little bit better than the original. The fight scenes were better than the original. The special effects, you, I mean, I'm, I'm taking in, taking into account the, the differences in, in the time and technology, sure, obviously. Um, I, liked, I just liked the special effects in this one better, too. Um, overall, I just like, I walked away from the new one with a smile on my face. It was just a super fun, enjoyable ride. It was, it was a ride. It wasn't changing my life. It didn't teach me something about the human spirits or about, you know, (laughs) how to, how to make, be a better person. It was just a fun, um, couple hours of people, you know, punching and kicking each other and eviscerating each other. And I just... I I enjoyed the new one a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, that's pretty fair. Did, sorry, did you give your star rating for Mortal Kombat 2021? Yeah, I think I would have to put it at three right now. Three stars? I rated it two and a half. I don't think we're that far apart on it. Um, for comparison, I would probably put the original 95 Mortal Kombat at three or three and a half, knowing full well that's kind of boosted by that nostalgia factor. And to be completely frank with you, that soundtrack in 95 Mortal Kombat still kicks a ton of butt. It is so much fun. And the music in this new one, I'm sure it's fine. I don't remember it. But I'm not, I'm not going to be getting the CD of this new this new uh, movie and listening to it for the next 15 years. Well, I think in the original, they actually <laughs> used like, the score from the game, right? 
Uh, they might have. Isn't that the theme? That's the theme from the game, and you're right. It's super memorable, and I think they just hinted at it in the score for this new movie, and you're absolutely right. Um, I think the music is not super memorable in the new one, and I really wish they would have used that uh, in, in listening in, in watching the 1995 version. I wish they would have used that theme more prominently. Yeah, like they do not screw. They do not mess around with that theme in the original one. The movie. Oh, no. Even before like the new line logo appears on screen, you hear them yell "Mortal Kombat," and then the Mortal music Kombat. just starts kicking as the logo of the the, the <laughs> dragon rotates around, flames shooting up everywhere, and you're like, "I am in, I'm in it for this movie." But I'm talking about like the EDM soundtrack that they used. A lot of the songs, which probably dates the film a little bit, I don't know, and that's probably why. I listen to that and I'm instantly transported to driving around in my car, putting on some of this music, installing some new speakers in my home stereo. I'll put on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack and just really try to feel those beats, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't, like I said, I don't have that connection to the older film. Um, But for the newer film, like I am actually, I found myself kind of looking forward to the next installment to see where this is going to take us. I'm excited for more of them, to be honest with you. Like, I I think the film was fine. I want to see more of this stuff, and I really do hope that they, they are able to produce more of them. We're in this pandemic where we can't really talk about box office in any meaningful, contextual no. way. The original film, on that $18 million budget, made just over $120 million, I think, at the box office. Oh, wow. This one, internationally, is pulled in about $60 million. So if you look at box office, it's broken even. However, this is a Warner Brothers film in 2021. It's also released on streaming and premium rental. I wanted to talk about that as well, where this is a $25 movie rental, right? And we don't know how much money this movie is actually going to make. Yeah, I don't think that Warner Brothers and HBO Max... This is this is HBO Max it's on, right? That's right. Yeah, that's a that's a tell right there. <laughs> no, yeah, I think the same thing came up because they didn't release hard numbers for um, Zack Snyder's Justice League either. Mm-hmm. So I think I think um, with streaming services, the the numbers are not as readily available. The box office numbers are not as readily readily available as they were from the theaters, or they're not releasing them. I think specifically because the streaming industry is in this period of growth yeah. and there's a lot of, of competition going on between these services. So I think there's a lot more reticence to share those numbers because they don't want their competitors getting wind of that. They don't want stockholders getting wind of that if it's not as good as it should be. So I think I think company streaming services are playing their cards a lot more tightly to the to their chest or a lot more mm. close to the chest in terms of releasing box office numbers for movies released on streaming services now, right? Yeah, it's pretty fair. So, I mean, if you know what you're getting into with this film, and I think the trailer sold it pretty fairly. I was excited for it. I wanted an action movie. I wanted to see some of the blood and gore. And that's exactly what I got. I was disappointed that it wasn't a little more deep, I guess to say, for lack of a better word right now. A lot of it is very surface level. But I am excited for more. And seeing the context of how much they got out of that budget. I'm very confident we're going to get more of these. And I think they're going to be able to stretch them out and give us some more fun action. I'm looking forward to more. I would, I mean, if you know what you're getting into and you put your expectations at the right level, definitely recommend this film. A hundred percent. Like I was, I found myself in the right mindset. You have to put yourself in the right mindset. You're not getting Shakespeare with this movie. It's a fun afternoon Friday night popcorn flick where you're just watching people punch each other in the face. Yep. It's not it's not quite up to the caliber of say your Fast and Furious or your Mission Impossible. Mm. Um but it's still it's fun. It's a fun ride and it's a it's a it's a nice way to spend an hour and a half with your family watching people's guts be ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong, 100% right there. Although I I don't think I'd recommend it for young children at this time. <laughs> Probably not. It's way gorier than the 1995 version. 1995 version I would definitely watch with my with my ten year old son, and the new one I thought was going to be in the same vein as the 1995 version. Yeah, 
And so I was, I was inviting him down. It's like, come watch Mortal Kombat with me. He, yeah. he didn't, he ended up not watching it with me, but I was like, okay, thankfully, cause it was a lot more violent than I was expecting actually. Yeah. So that's been episode seven of the real film Chronicles. That was a lot of fun to talk about Mortal Kombat. Uh, there's some interesting history there with the game series and the movies. One last thing, Brian. Yeah. Finish him. <laughs> um, as always, we really appreciate you listening and hanging out with us. We'd appreciate uh, hearing some of your thoughts on the Mortal Kombat series. Uh, send us an email, realfilmchronicles at outlook.com. Visit our website at realfilmchronicles.com. And until next time, stay safe out there. Flawless victory. <laughs>